In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Many stories have been told of the legendary brevity of President Calvin Coolidge. President of the United States from 1923 to 1929. Once at a dinner party with his wife, Grace Goodhue Coolidge, the young woman was sitting near the Coolidges and she said to the president, I am sure that I will be able to get at least three words of conversation from you. And the president, without looking at her, quietly said, you lose. (laughs) Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is the 40-day season observed by millions of Christians from all over the world. When did the season begin? This last Wednesday. When does the season end? Easter. And it's a season when you and I are invited to use the words of the Book of Common Prayer to make time for self-examination, prayer, fasting, and self-denial. And it's also a season for something that we're particularly stressing at St. John's this Lent. Reading and meditating on God's holy word. In today's Old Testament lesson from Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we hear some of the most well-known, most well-commented upon lessons of Scripture of all time. Quote, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not. For in that day you eat of it, you shall die. End of quote. The Garden of Eden, the first couple, and they are being tempted by Satan, by the devil in the disguise of a used car salesman. I mean, in the disguise of a talking snake. All the love to used car salesmen. Just making sure you were with me. Now, whether this story is interpreted literally as an actual event or as a metaphor about human nature and divine relationship, the meaning is largely the same. The meaning, a message about sin, about deception, about blame, about human nature. In the lesson from Psalm 32, also from the Old Testament, we hear some good news in response to the troubling news of Genesis. The psalmist declares, Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is put away. If Genesis teaches us that sin is inevitable in your life and mine, and it is, The psalm, Psalm 32, provides a remedy for us, this human predicament that we find ourselves in. Quote, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. End of quote. The New Testament lesson is an exploration, a theological exploration of the reality of sin in humans, in the world, 
And then it also explores the relationship between Adam's sin and Jesus' refusal of sin. Quote, Because of the one man's trespass, Adam, death exercised dominion. Much more surely will those who receive grace exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. End of quote. Finally, in our gospel lesson, which by the way, it's always this for the first Sunday of Lent, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, we find an interesting situation. Did you pick up on this? Jesus and Satan are sort of having a spiritual duel. And they exchange sets of Bible verses. Which tells you that even holy things can be used for unholy purposes. Jesus emerges victorious from this duel, from his temptation in the wilderness. And the gospel tells us, quote, Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. End of quote. Have you noticed that most of our services have a confession of sin? Have you noticed that? Now just think about that for a second. Isn't that kind of, at least outside of Christian circles, kind of peculiar? Kind of weird? I mean, where else in society, where else in our lives are we invited to do that? In our society, you confess your sin, you confess your mess up when you have to. Underline the word have to. Okay, perhaps to say it more positively, when you and I realize we've hurt someone that we care about, we will approach them in a sincere sense and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Though, are there times that you and I use those words very lightly, maybe even casually, maybe even insincerely? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. I know all too well that my own words of apology are not always as sincere and heartfelt as they could be. I know that I am like Adam and Eve and that I have this tendency to drift away from the good and drift away from God. I mean, it's peculiar. It's strange because I find myself drifting even when I don't want to drift. And even when I don't want to do something, sometimes I find myself doing it anyway. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever had this human experience? St. Paul, the author of the letter to the Romans speaks about this very, very common human experience. And he spoke about it 2,000 years ago when he used these words, quote, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. End of quote. I have a feeling St. Paul and myself are not alone in experiencing this. Christianity teaches the difficult life lesson, the difficult spiritual lesson, that on our own, we cannot overcome sin. On our own, we cannot have our act all 
together. We cannot, on our own, realize all of our potential. We need God's grace, God's help, God's strength. We need a community of grace. We need other people to learn who we truly are, to be all we can be, to thrive and not just survive. And every time you and I confess our sins in the liturgy, we're admitting all that. That's exactly what we're doing during the confession of sin. We're saying, God, I need you. I need something larger in our life. We're saying, I need other people. We're saying, I messed up and I'm going to mess up again. But we're also saying, even though I've messed up, even though I have needs in my life, I can be forgiven and there can be hope for another day. That's what we're doing every time we confess our sins in the liturgy. Lent is a season where you and I are invited to face our temptations, to acknowledge our sins, and with God's help, to clean out the junk from our lives. Do you have some junk in your life that needs to be cleaned out of it? I know I do. Lent is a season for us to admit our need for God, to admit our need for others. Take the confession in the liturgy seriously. Say the words prayerfully. Use the silence that's provided before it to reflect on your sin, to reflect on your mess up, to reflect on your need for grace. And when the priest, acting in the person of Jesus, declares the absolution, receive it in your heart as the good news that you've been forgiven. You can start again. And you might want to cross yourself when you receive that absolution as a sign that you're receiving that forgiveness. Do you know that our liturgy is meant to be lived? What we do in worship, we're invited to live every day. What we do in worship, we're invited to live every day. What's a disciple? We use that word here at St. John sometimes. Well, a disciple is a person striving to do that, to live the liturgy every day. So, put on your thinking caps. If in the liturgy were people who confess our sins and seek forgiveness... Keep thinking, stay with it. If in the liturgy we're people who confess our sins and seek forgiveness, then what kind of people should we be in our daily lives? Yes, we should be people who are quick to confess and quick to seek and receive forgiveness. Are you that kind of person? Am I that kind of person? Quick to confess, quick to receive, quick to give forgiveness. One Sunday, President Calvin Coolidge returned from church, and his wife asked, What did the preacher preach about? And Coolidge said, Sin. And Mrs. Coolidge said, Well, what did he say about sin? And the president replied that he was against it. (laughs) And so the preacher was, 
And so the Christian faith teaches. And so the season of Lent invites you and I to be against sin, to confess it, and with God's help, to overcome it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.